It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Trump takes the stand. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. The former president, Donald Trump, testifying today at his $250 million civil fraud case in New York City. Before he took the stand, he spoke to reporters outside the courthouse. It's a very unfair situation. This is really election interference. New York's Attorney General Tish James is taking aim at Trump's real estate empire. He's accused of cooking the books to secure a favorable loan. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters are the facts and the numbers. And numbers, my friends, don't lie. Legal analyst Robert Gottlieb thinks it's a risk to have the ex-president on the witness stand. I don't think there is any defense attorney in America, or perhaps the universe, who would recommend that Donald Trump testify in this civil case. Today's testimony marks the first time in history that a former president and current White House contender has taken the witness stand in court in his own defense. Israeli troops could enter Gaza City today for face-to-face fighting with Hamas terrorists. It's what they call urban warfare, says Trey Yinks, who's traveling with the IDF in the Palestinian-controlled territory. They will be more heavily engaged as they enter Gaza City. There's an understanding within the Israeli military that 80% of Hamas is inside Gaza City, and this is where the real urban battle is expected to take place. Correspondent Richard Engel has the latest on the fighting. Israel is on a search-and-destroy mission in Gaza with tanks and troops having encircled Gaza City, one of the most densely populated places on Earth, and riddled with Hamas tunnels. In those tunnels, Hamas is holding more than 240 hostages. An IDF spokesman says the Israeli military has opened up a humanitarian corridor for Palestinians to get out. We want to fight against Hamas. We don't want to fight the civilian population. This Israeli journalist is worried about the end game for Israel. Okay, we'll smash Hamas, which I doubt it. But let's say we crash Hamas. And then what? Who will replace Hamas? Secretary of State Blinken met today in Turkey with his counterpart to try and keep this war contained. Yesterday was in Iraq, where U.S. military bases have come under fire since the war started a month ago. We're working very hard to make sure that the conflict in Gaza does not escalate, does not spread to other places. Turkey's presidents declared Israel's war on the terror group Hamas a genocide and says post-war Gaza must be part of an independent Palestinian state. Yesterday, Muslim protesters tried to storm a NATO base in Turkey that was housing American troops. Here at home, the weekend was marked by more protests on both sides of the war. Demonstrators or demonstrations were held in a number of cities nationwide. There were dueling rallies at the New York City Marathon and thousands gathered for a pro-Palestinian event in our nation's capital. Protesters there tried to scale the fence to the White House and left behind threatening messages for the state of Israel. Democrats are divided over Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib's defending the following anti-Semitic chant. Tlaib 
Gabe says the chant is aspirational. Others within her party have a different view. Nevada Senator Jackie Rosen says Talib is wrong, saying, quote, from the river to the sea is a call for eliminating the state of Israel and puts Jews in danger. We must reject extremism no matter which side of the aisle it comes from. Brooke Singman reporting Republicans on Capitol Hill are blasting the White House for tying aid to Israel to the war in Ukraine and the crisis at the southern border. Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Understand the White House's strategy here because it's an utter joke. The funding that they call, quote, border security is not designed to reduce even one illegal immigrant. The $105 billion aid package for Ukraine and Israel also includes $14 billion for the southern border. That money would be used to hire more agents, increase the number of immigration judges, and install new technology to better detect fentanyl coming into this country. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis getting a huge endorsement today in his bid to win the Republican presidential nomination. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds says DeSantis is her guy to represent the party in 2024. Iowa is home to the first in the nation caucuses on January 15th, just 65 days from now. A new Siena College New York Times poll shows Donald Trump leading President Biden in Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, and Pennsylvania going into next year's election. Here's Trump supporter Edna Ginrich. Trump has a big mouth, but so does everybody else. But what he does really makes a difference. The results show if the 2024 vote were held today, Biden would lose to Trump by three to ten points in five battleground states. And poll after poll shows what? Between 70, 80 percent, even higher, of Democrats don't want Joe Biden the sequel. Media critic Joe Concha. The abortion issue features prominently at the ballot box in tomorrow's elections. Ohio voters must decide a constitutional amendment that would pave the way for abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. Here's pro-life activist Mary Cook. This is a matter of life or death. This is too radical for Ohio. Since the overturn of Roe, Democrats are six for six in ballot measures that protect abortion rights. But over that same time period, Republican governors have never lost elections in states that have enacted pro-life measures. Check your freezer. Reporter Stacy Lynn has details on an important recall today. Tyson Foods is recalling nearly 30,000 pounds of dinosaur-shaped chicken patties after some people reported finding small pieces of metal in them. If you have any Tyson fully cooked fun nuggets, breaded shaped chicken patties, don't eat them. Stacy Lynn reporting still to come on the noon report. Seasonal affective disorder, bridge strike prevention efforts, and the victimhood Olympics at Cornell University. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. Briefly, milder air moving into the region now will be replaced by a fresh batch of chill come tomorrow night and Wednesday. I'll have the detailed forecast coming up in 10. All right, Kevin, see you then. Tomorrow is Election Day, folks. Polls open from 6 a.m. till 9 p.m. in New York. In Pennsylvania, you've got from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m. to cast your ballot. There are important education issues on the ballot in both states. Voters in Pennsylvania are also deciding four statewide judicial contests, including an open seat on the state Supreme Court. State police in New 
New York are out and about this week doing what they can to prevent bridge strikes by large vehicles. The Check Your Height, Know It's Right safety awareness campaign will run through Saturday. Patrick Barnes with the DOT. Everyone needs to be concerned about hitting a bridge, whether you're driving as a commercial driver or renting a box truck or pulling your RV. You need to know the height of your vehicle. You can hurt yourself, you can hurt others. This year alone, there have been more than 90 reported bridge strikes on the New York State Thruway. A professor who's taught for more than 35 years at Cornell University says he's not surprised that a student there would threaten to kill Jews at the Ivy League school. This is what we're producing. This is social justice. This is separating people by identity. The students will tell you they have the victimhood Olympics. Let's see who's the most oppressed. Randy Wayne's a biologist to Cornell and blames indoctrination for the anti-Semitism that's taken root in Ithaca. People are so afraid of being canceled one way or the other that there's not enough speaking to understand each other. And there may be people that want Western civilization to perish, to recreate the world in their utopian image. Last week, a 21-year-old junior at Cornell was arrested for reportedly posting death threats online against the school. Jewish population. Patrick Dye facing a bail hearing this Thursday. He's currently in the Broome County lockup. There's a village meeting in Addison, New York tonight to discuss the theft of more than a million dollars from the town coffers. A former clerk's been charged with stealing that money over 19 years. The town hall meeting starts at 6 at the Addison Community Center. Former All-American swimmer and women's rights activist Riley Gaines headlines the Pennsylvania Family Institute's Friends of the Family Banquet tonight. It's being held in Hershey, PA. Gaines has been the target of ridicule from the left for her efforts to save women's sports from the growing influence of the transgender movement. She spoke recently to Family Life about what she plans to talk about tonight. I think you can hear more about what it takes to be an elite athlete. Again, the unfair competition aspect, the locker room aspect, the silencing aspect the broader scope of what this issue means. Also speaking tonight at the Hershey Lodge is conservative satirist Seth Dillon with the Babylon Bee. He says too many comedians are afraid today to go up against the cancel culture. They, they don't want the truth to be uttered, and comedy is a great way of speaking the truth. I, I think Chesterton said it best when he said, humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. Tickets for tonight's event sold out, but you can still listen to our complete interviews with both Seth Dylan and Riley Gaines at familylife.org. Just look for the news tab on the podcast page. The Mary Vale School District in Cheektowaga, New York, wants to be compensated for taking in more than 70 asylum seekers at the start of the school year. That district registered 76 migrant students and received no advance notice of their arrival from New York City. Mary Vale has more than 2,000 students in K-12 that district includes the towns of West Seneca, Elma, Marilla, Aurora, Wales, Colden, and Holland. A caring woman from Canandaigua, New York, is giving refugees from other countries a leg up on life. They really deserve to have a better life. That is Jade Myers, and she began her mission to help refugees 13 years ago. After the devastating earthquake in Haiti, that's when she met Danny, an earthquake survivor. When she lost her arm and she lost her mother in that event, people would, they didn't call her by name, they called her one arm, you know. Um, so dignity, you know, was a factor in 
you know, I was very motivated to help her. You wouldn't know what she'd been through meeting her because she was just always so joyous and laughing and, you know, full of life. Myers helped Danny get a prosthetic limb and is partnering with the group Called to Care Canandaigua to help other refugees in places like Ukraine and Guatemala. Here's spokesperson Cheryl Smith. We take so much for granted. So many people struggle day-to-day life. We just leave people better off than you found them and do something for someone that can mean a lot, even if it's very small. Called to Care Canandaigua has helped seven refugees from overseas resettle in upstate New York since its inception just over a year ago. There's still a milk carton shortage and it's impacting school cafeterias all over New York and Pennsylvania. Perhaps you've heard at issue is a supply chain problem in Lake Forest, Illinois, home to the country's largest maker of school milk cartons. The carton shortage is also impacting the ability to serve milk and juice inside hospitals, nursing homes, and prisons. Well, it's about to get a whole lot darker outside with the end of daylight saving time. With the time change yesterday, we gained some light in the morning, but lose it in the afternoon. Dr. Adam Ashton with the American Psychiatric Association says seasonal affective disorder is real and real people suffer from it. It's a major depressive episode that occurs most every year at the same time. So patients with seasonal affective disorder will find that they have a certain window where they're vulnerable for the depression to happen. And usually it's associated with decreasing daylight and they then recover from it as increasing daylight occurs towards springtime. Ashton says people with seasonal affective disorder tend to go into hibernation mode during the winter months eating more, exercising less than they would during the sunnier times of the year. With that, let's pause, check out your Monday midday sports report right here on the Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob Joe Burrow sliced and diced the Buffalo Bills defense last night to the tune of 348 yards and a pair of touchdowns as the Bengals won their fourth in a row, 24-18. The Bills slipped to 5-4 and four on the season with the loss. Josh Allen passed for 258 yards and a touchdown. He also rushed for 44 yards and another score. In an NFC East clash, the Eagles' Jalen Hurts threw for just over 200 yards and two touchdowns. He also ran one in for a score as Philadelphia beat the Cowboys 28-23. The Eagles now have the best record in the NFL at 8-1. The Giants went into Vegas and got blown out by the Raiders 30-6. Josh Jacobs rushed for 98 yards and two scores as interim head coach Antonio Pierce earned his first win win. The news got even worse for New York. It appears as if quarterback Daniel Jones tore his ACL in the loss. If that is true, his season most likely over. Elsewhere in the NFL yesterday, KC beat the Dolphins 21-14. The Vikings won a close one against the Falcons 31-28. The Browns shut out Arizona 27-zip. The Packers 20-3 winners over the Rams. Patriots fell to Washington 2017. The Saints by a touchdown over Chicago 24-17. The Ravens crushed Seattle 37-3. Texans won a shootout against the Bucks 39-38. And Indy beat Carolina 27-13. The Suns, Raptors, Cavs, Mavs, and Grizzlies, your NBA winners. On the ice, the Devils and Ducks prevailed. And Ryan Blaney, your NASCAR Cup Series champ after finishing second at Phoenix Raceway. 
That is a look at sports. Thank you kindly, Randy. Man, still to come on the Noon Report, why you need to vote, even in off-year elections. Hate on parade in the nation's capital. And Trump takes the stand in New York City. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In a viral post from back in July, entrepreneur Robert Sterling described what many people today feel. Quote, there's something deeply unwell in our society right now. I'm sure that social media, economic malaise, COVID lockdowns, fentanyl, and every other reason we hear about factor into it. Yet all these reasons, he continued, in aggregate, still feel insufficient. To explain it, something metaphysical, he says, seems to have shifted. What is this metaphysical shift, this feature of modern society that drives so many people into despair? Writing for the Institute for Family Studies, University of Virginia sociologist Joseph Davis argued that our mental health crisis is merely the end of a longer process that began well before the iPhone, social media, or fentanyl. The seeds of despair and derangement, he thinks, were sown when people stopped looking to timeless institutions and transcendent realities to give their lives meaning and instead turned more and more inward for those answers. Davis cites Jennifer Brainy Wallace, who in her book Never Enough notes that even successful and privileged young people often say they feel utterly vacant inside. And the reason they're looking inward for meaning is because they've been taught for decades now and by everyone from Disney and Oprah to pop stars and professors to reject all external sources of meaning like God or family or country. Their truth, quote unquote, is found within, while external sources of authority are oppressive and stifle their authentic individuality. So as a result, Davis argued, the public frameworks that gave life direction and meaning, prescribed roles, rites of passage, compelling life scripts, stable occupational trajectories, these continue to fade away. That's why, as he put it, we feel empty, inadequate, adrift, because we have been thrown back on ourselves, forced to face the challenge at younger and younger ages of trying to establish an identity, make commitments, live with conviction, desire life, and find meaning without the very sources that make these things possible in the first place. As theologian Carl Truman demonstrated so well in his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern South, the very ideas that life's greatest meaning comes from within and by expressing our authentic identity is a quite recent development in human history. Our ancestors looked beyond self to external sources of authority and truth. In our culture of expressive individualists, many people are finding themselves, to paraphrase Friedrich Nietzsche, simply unchained from any stable sun. Writing about the implications of the death of God in his famous parable, The Madman, Nietzsche accurately predicted the chaos that was to come. But he also realized that the people in his day could not realize all of the implications that would come from doing away with fixed transcendent sources of meaning. I've come too early, the madman says. This tremendous event is still on its way, still wandering. It has not yet reached the ears of men. Well, perhaps today in the ruins of our institutions, traditions, churches, families, and our cultures that were once tied to belief in an unchanging God, Nietzsche's prophecy has finally come true. We're adrift with only ourselves as gods. If the statistics are accurate, more and more people are finding that reality intolerable. We were never meant to invent meaning for ourselves. The demands of our hyper-individualistic society feel unbearable because they're unreasonable. We put the weight of defining the world on our shoulders and it was far heavier than we ever imagined. The self is simply not big enough to define the truth of all of reality. This means that solving our mental health crisis will take much more than simply cutting back on social media or cracking down on opioids. Those, those are very good ideas that need to be done. In the end, it will take a return to older, less individualistic sources of identity formation and our willingness to stop treating the be yourself or you do you slogans as some kind of profound wisdom. 
for the Colson Center. I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you very much. Let's take it outside next. Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Generally dry, a stray shower or two, especially in areas closer to Lake Erie. Otherwise, clouds and sun, high temps, upper 40s to the upper 50s. A few showers around tonight into tomorrow. Low tonight, 40s. High tomorrow, 50s and 60s, but the temperature drops uh, through the afternoon on our way to a much chillier day on Wednesday with limited sun and a high temperature in the 40s to near 50. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's going on Monday, the 6th of November. It's a different kind of stump today for Donald Trump. He's on the witness stand testifying at his $250 million civil fraud trial in New York City. It's political warfare, as you would call it, or political lawfare. Nobody's ever seen that to this extent. Today's testimony marks the first time ever that a former president has taken the witness stand in court. Trump's accused of cooking the books to secure better loans for his real estate empire. Israeli soldiers could enter downtown Gaza City at any time as the war to destroy Hamas enters its second month. Correspondent Trey Yinks. The Israelis continue to use bunker buster bombs against the Hamas tunnel network underneath Gaza City. The focus now is destroying as many of these tunnels as possible. Reporter Doug Williams says the IDF's agreed to pause its bombing campaign in certain population centers so as to allow Palestinian civilians to get out of harm's way. Israel's military has released videos saying they've opened a humanitarian corridor to allow civilians to move from northern to southern Gaza. Hamas terrorists are still holding 242 hostages after butchering more than 1,400 civilians in a surprise attack on Israel on October 7th. Thousands showed up for a pro-Palestinian rally over the weekend in our nation's capital. Correspondent Stephanie Goss. Crowds marched to the White House gates. According to police, the demonstration was largely peaceful. But after dark, some protesters shook the White House fences and began climbing them, leaving red handprints symbolizing blood smeared on the brick and vandalizing nearby statues. Many college campuses have now joined in on the nationwide protests over this war, increasingly Jewish students report that they don't feel safe anymore, given the rapid rise in anti-Semitism. I want our students to walk on their campus proudly wearing their yarmulkes and not have to look over their shoulder. Karen Weinberger is a guidance counselor at a Jewish school in New Jersey. Election Day 2023 is tomorrow, but already Americans are weighing in on Election Day 2024. The latest CBS News poll shows Republicans are much more eager for a Trump-Biden rematch than Democrats are. Donald Trump's voters are more apt to say they're hopeful and motivated about this idea of a possible rematch. Biden's voters, and a lot of voters, more apt to say that they're nervous. Pollster Anthony Salvanto, this poll also shows if the presidential election were today, Trump would beat Biden by three points. Another poll out today shows Trump beating Biden in five key battleground states. Former Florida State Representative Randy Fine thinks he knows why. The world's on fire, and we know this wouldn't happen if President Trump was in charge. I think the shocking thing in the polls, not that President Trump is winning by 10 points in Nevada, is that he's only winning by 10 points in Nevada. The Siena College New York Times survey has Trump up anywhere from 3 to 10 points over Biden in Nevada, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, and Arizona. You're tuned in to the Noon Report, a Monday edition, right here 
on Family Life. And welcome back to another edition of Issues in Education. Mondays during the Noon Report, we spotlight the issues impacting our schools with Dr. Ralph Kerr at the Teaching and Learning Institute in Houghton, New York. Ralph, welcome back to the program, sir. Great to have you with us today. Thank you, Bob. Good to be with you and with our listeners again today. All right. Hey, Election Day is tomorrow, and uh, education issues will be figuring prominently on the ballot. Even though it's an off-year election, there's important stuff to decide. You've got school board races in Pennsylvania. I know you talk all the time about how important that is. And there's this school debt limit referendum in New York. If you would encourage our listeners, Ralph, explain to them why it's important, even on an off-year your election to show up at the polls tomorrow and vote? Well, it really is important. And I, I think, you know, with all this stuff that's going on in the world around us, we need to uh, acknowledge the fact that we are free to vote. We have the right to do that. And we need to exercise the, the privilege that we have mm-hmm. to vote. And certainly in uh, Pennsylvania, where the school board elections are up for grabs, it's very important for people to get out and vote for the school board members of their choice. I hope by now that uh, our listeners have checked out who the candidates are and they understand their positions, and then uh, they will actually exercise that right to vote tomorrow. There's no point in complaining about what's happening in your school if you don't vote on election day. Yep. So take tomorrow as the challenge to, to do that. All right, and explain. I know you did this last week, but again, because a lot of people are going to go into that polling booth tomorrow and say, what in the wide world of sports is this? Talking about that school <laughs> debt limit referendum. Explain how that works and why you're supporting it. Well, interestingly enough, apparently I didn't do a very good job of explaining it last week because I did have a call actually from a teacher that I used to work with during the week. And she said, you know, we're in the teacher's room. We heard you on Family Life promoting that and we still have some questions about it. So once again, here's in basic form, here's the situation. Currently in New York State, all school districts except the 55 small city school districts can borrow up to 10% of their property tax value for various things, normally for building projects and that kind of thing. Small cities are limited to 5% of their property tax value, which really puts them in a position of having to do multiple projects, which does cost more money because, as you know, inflation is just eating up everything right now. So for most people, other than those that live in the small cities like Olean, Corning, those small cities in New York, 55 of them, it really doesn't make any difference, but it does make a difference to people in those voting cities. So I'm encouraging people to vote yes on that referendum to give people in the small city school districts the ability to borrow up to 10% rather than be limited to 5% of their property tax value. And I encourage people to uh, vote yes on that tomorrow. All right. Uh, Let's talk about chronic absenteeism, Ralph. It is a huge problem post-pandemic even. Now, a a student's chronically absent when they miss 18 days during the academic year. More than 30% of students in New York State are doing that. What's to blame for this? Well, part of that is certainly parents just not communicating with their children that getting to school is important. You talk about learning loss for the pandemic. This is just compounding that whole issue because if you're not in school, you can't possibly learn 
the curriculum. Yeah. So parents, administrators, and teachers need to really do their very, very best to encourage students to get to school and be part of what's happening there on a day-to-day basis. Gotcha. I saw in the second largest district in the state, Buffalo, 90% of high schoolers are chronically absent. That is just unbelievable. Then finally, Ralph, it is cold and flu season once again. Everybody's kind of moving indoors now. Share with us some of those timely do's and don'ts to keep yourself healthy during this time of year. Well, when I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, part of it is really to do with the golden rule, which uh, we know what that is due to others that you'd want them to do to you. Would you want somebody sneezing, coughing, just saying, I'm really feeling lousy, sitting next to you at work or at school? And if your answer is no, then stay home. And so if you're not feeling well, despite what we said about chronic absenteeism, (laughs) 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 sorry, it just struck me as being kind of funny all of a sudden. We say, don't be absent from school. And then in the next segment, we're saying, well, it's okay if you are. Stay home, whatever. We we, we didn't plan that. (laughs) Use good judgment, I guess, is really the the idea. Uh, If you're not feeling well, stay home. If you're feeling all right, get to school. All right. Good advice. And we'll have to leave it there. But Ralph, uh, if folks want to know more about those important ballot issues tomorrow, it's election day in New York and PA. Uh, You have a wonderful website. Where can folks find you online? Thank you, Bob. Just check us out at whyrun.org, whyrun.org. Dr. Kerr, thank you very much. The name of the program, Issues in Education, comes your way Mondays during the Noon Reporter online anytime at familylife.org. Just look for the News tab on the podcast page. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Well, on the weather map, we find our next weather maker in the form of a cold front now moving through the upper Midwest. It will be preceded by mild air this afternoon through tomorrow morning. The colder air follows tomorrow night and Wednesday, and the process will generate a few showers. For this afternoon, though, it's generally dry, a stray shower or two, especially in areas closer to Lake Erie. Otherwise, clouds and some sun, high temps, upper 40s to the upper 50s. A few showers around tonight into tomorrow, low tonight 40s, high tomorrow 50s and 60s, but the temperature drops uh, through the afternoon on our way to a much chillier day on Wednesday with limited sun and a high temperature in the 40s to near 50. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. And finally, at noon today for a Monday, don't look now, folks, but the magnificent rings of Saturn will be vanishing from view in a couple of years. No need to panic. They're not permanently disappearing. It'll just look that way due to Saturn's alignment with Earth within our solar system. has everything to do with that alignment, which will pretty much render Saturn's splendid rings virtually invisible starting in the year 2025 but the rings will come back rest assured and that's the world we live in monday the 6th of november i'm bob price family life news you've been listening to the noon report heard weekdays on family life thank you for listening